Before we get into the show, your humble host and producer would like to apologize for the poor audio quality at some points in this episode. Please bear with us and know we will endeavor to persevere. I've, I've tried to get off the podcast multiple times and they won't let me go. Coming in, Choppy? It's got the red blinky. The red blinky's never good. I think that's just trying to get out of its interview. Ooh, now you're going to see two of me. That was awesome. All right, hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAP Sloop Podcast. My name is Larry Burton, and joining me is a proud Wolverine, it's Steffi Light. And joining us, finally, an alum from the Library of Alexandria, it's Hicksbo, Mr. Bob Hicks. Welcome to the show, Bob. Why, thank you, Mr. Burton. I appreciate it. We're so excited to have Bob on the podcast today. Thanks for coming, Bob. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate it. All right, let's start as we always do with another TCAP Sloop moment of Zen. Good company in a journey makes the way seem shorter. Isaac Walton. And I have to say, it's been an honor to accompany Mr. Hicks, Hicksbo, for a short portion of his journey. Thank you for agreeing to share your wisdom again. And uh, it's nice to see you. Nice to, or I guess not see you, because right now our video is not working very well. There seems to be a te- technology glitch. I'm pretty sure that's uh, from... From Bob trying to get out of doing the pod. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Larry. I do miss you. It was nice to have you right outside my office for a few years. So it's good to connect with you remotely, though. So, Bob, I get to um, I get to ask all sorts of probing questions, and I promise this will be a uh, a painless experience. But I just want to hear first from you how long you've been in TCAPs. And if you could tell us a little bit about how your job has changed over the years. Well, I started in TCAPs in 1986. So doing the math, that's a little bit over 35 years. Wow. Um, It's been quite a journey, I think. You know, when I first started, one of the first jobs we had was to put in a, a network, which was, to that point, kind of brand new, down in the administration building. And uh, we got about 26 computers. And I was thinking, man, that's a heck of a lot of computers for a whole year. So we did that and we put a lot of computers, uh, well, a lot, a few hundred computers over the next few years. And then from that point, it was just interesting because after we implemented that, of course, we had problems and the problems were a little bit tougher to solve than they are nowadays. And uh, I did an awful lot of traveling around, which I do miss now. My job has changed much more uh, in staying back at the ranch here than I used to. And so it's hard to keep up and keep in contact with people. So now I see people that I do know there's some vague familiarity, but it's it's hard to remember all names. Could be part of Alzheimer's too. But uh, <laughs> no. just going around from place to place, I miss that. So there's a lot more paperwork that I'm involved in now instead of computers and so I find some of the things I used to do I don't do as much anymore you know debugging not as much programming and things that uh, you know I found in, I found enjoyable I'm not able to do as much but it's nice to be able to um, see our department grow and see other people that, that are able to do that now I'll get a lot of joy by by seeing some of the successes and the people that work with me so Bob, that might lead nicely into my next question. I'm I'm wondering about like the points of pride you have looking back over your 
35 plus years. What are some of the things you're most proud of? Well, I think one of the things that I had was uh, right when I started, we had lost a few bond elections and I got deeply involved in that. And we were in pretty rough shape in terms of our, our funding at that point. And uh, we really worked hard on that. And uh, that was that was a huge thing for us. That helped us along a number of different years and able to help more students, not just with uh, technology stuff, but also with construction projects. And so anyway, that was a particular point of pride. Who worked on those campaigns with you? I mean, the, you know, things were different then and there's been uh, probably there's not that many people that are still in the district that you've worked with in those early years, but maybe. In terms of the people that I worked with, I guess I worked with, worked for, I was, Ida was here. Ida Tompkins. Okay. And Ron Fight was here in, in HR. Vern Oxender was the superintendent at that time. Those were the, some of the main administrators we had here. I know that I'm forgetting quite a few. And the rest is history ancient history. So, Bob, you had an interesting comment earlier. You said that uh, when you first started, it was harder to troubleshoot then than it is now. And I think that's really interesting because you would think with the level of complexity that we have now, that working on things would be maybe more difficult because there's more things interconnected. Why was it harder then than now? You had a lot of pieces and parts that all had to work together and there weren't as many support options out there to be able to uh, call on. It, you had to figure things out for yourself a lot of times. And now it's like computers are not a dime a dozen, but there's you know so many more uh, computers sitting out there and so many more different places that can support you. So even though it's more complex nowadays, the um, level of support that you receive is much better than what it was at that point. So, Bob, I just want to switch gears a little bit and ask you some questions about as you're looking ahead to next year when the school year will be starting and what do you think you'll be doing on the first day of school? What we're doing right now is transitioning in our department and uh, Winnie Bell has accepted the assistant director of technology here in our department. And so I'll be working with her during the course of this year to try to, um, you know, she's an awfully intelligent lady and I don't even give her a whole lot, but I'll probably share with her a lot of the stuff that I do on a daily basis. And we'll make this transition over the course of this year. And then as I near the end, probably be doing a lot of the same things that I'm doing right now, preparing computers for kids for the following year. And my last day is on um, August 1st. And I believe I'll work on that Friday. And then on um, Sunday, my wife and I, who's also retiring, will be taken off for Alaska. So we're kind of looking forward to that. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah. Mentioning Alaska, you I know you've done a number of uh, fabulous trips. And I imagine in retirement, there's more planned. So Alaska's first on the list. You have other places that you're hoping to visit. Well, my wife and I really like Glacier National Park, and we've done that a couple of times and uh, would like to get back out there again. In fact, on the glacier or on the Alaska trip, we're going up Kalispell on the uh, west side of Glacier and flying up to Vancouver, 
when we get done, we'll fly back to Kalispell and hopefully can spend, our plan is right now, about three more days to do some walks in the park there. there. But we're really looking forward to Alaska. That was on our bucket list, too. What draws you to those locations? Well, I think the big thing is the outdoor scenery. You know, it's it's definitely different from working in an office to getting out there and getting some exercise and seeing the amazing sights that you can see. And uh, I think the last two times we went to Glacier, we walked about 70 miles over the course of a week, which wow. is, is tiring. But man, some of the scenery, if you don't, if you don't walk away, you can't see um, the sights that you can if you get out in the back, uh, uh, back up in the mountains. Something like 95% of people who visit national parks never get out of the like parking areas, don't ever get onto those back trails or even any of the hiking trails. I feel so sorry for people because they're missing those amazing sites. Glacier in particular is, a, is an interesting one because they built a road in the middle of Glacier and it's the only road in Glacier. It's going to the Stone Road. It's a 50-mile road that they built specifically for people that wanted to drive through. I think it took them about 20 years and was finished in 1933, if I recall correctly. The cars at that time were considerably narrower. And so when you go on it now, it, it, is, a little, it is a little frightening. I mean, you get sweaty palms just thinking about it. But uh, it, you're way up there. And you do get to see a lot of sites there if you just drive through on that particular road. But That sounds wonderful. Bob? What other hobbies do you have besides travel that you might get to spend more time on? It's a good question. I used to do a heck of a lot of small tasks around the house, some woodworking, but I, I don't have a shed anymore. So I, okay. I've, got to, I've got to resolve some of that issues. Larry, I know you and I were talking when I moved into the, the last one about me building a garage Mm-hmm. And you you dissuade me from that, and I think that was a great move. This time, I'm looking a little bit smaller place for me to work. So, Bob, what kind of woodworking, like furniture or signs or? You know, I don't know yet. You know, I've done some fixing up of old furniture and, and that before, but I don't, my wife wouldn't let me do that anymore because then I'd have to do something with the furniture, and the only thing I could do, I think, is sell it. That could be a future a future endeavor. Yeah, I don't think so. piggybacking off the discussion of hobbies a hobby of mine is reading and I would love to talk to you about some of your favorite books my my reading was kind of I think it was unusual I love my parents dearly um, and they provided everything for my sister and myself but they never really read to us much and so I had to pick that up by myself. And I never really did until I was after we were married and uh, finally got the bug. So the one thing I was going to do was read to my two older kids. And so sure enough, you know, every day we would have a pile of books. My, my wife was an avid reader. And so we'd have a pile of books and um, I'd have both kids grabbed three books and every night I'd go and sit down on this couch and when I sat on it, it made you lay back. So probably every other night I'd fall asleep in the middle of reading to them <laughs> to keep, keep nudging me to keep awake. So anyway, that was our nightly routine. Then as they got older, we started to read a little bit longer books. And so, and that was the thing that I thought, you know, that really was a good book. So we uh, jumped into uh, Tolkien's Hobbit. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and that set us off on a new path to where it wasn't reading these little small short books. We started into The Hobbit, and then, of course, we went to the rest of The Lord of the Rings. And so I think that's one of my favorites was The Hobbits, and I got it from a teacher here who was reading that to their class, and he was a good friend of mine, and, and uh, so it was like, you oh, know, this is pretty cool. Well, then, about 10 years later, we had our youngest son, Stephen, and I also did the same thing with him, started reading, and, you know, three books every night, et cetera, et cetera, but he really didn't get into it. Maybe I fell asleep more, I don't know. But then, after he was, gosh, I was thinking he was probably seven, eight, nine, no, he was 11 years old. And I heard about this new series of kids' book that started out on napkins. And so that kind of intrigued me. And, of course, I came back to J.K. Rowling. And uh, then I got him into the uh, Harry Potter series. And very soon he just, just tore through those books. I think on the third book he started picking those books up and read them all the time. And so finally got him hooked on it. And now uh, I feel like uh, all three kids were, you know, indoctrinated pretty well in reading and they all still do it. What great memories to have sharing yeah, those, sharing books were. with your kiddos. You know, that was one of the nice things, and I'm sure you had this with your with your kids. I think one of the great things about books and stories in general is sharing them and have conversations about them. And uh, that was definitely something that I enjoyed. And it sounds like you enjoyed that with your your kiddos as well. It's good to look back on that. And they don't talk a lot about those old times, but I see them reading an awful lot. I, I would say my youngest one, though, he does talk about Harry Potter. We were kind of groupies together. You know, we would go to the midnight release over at Borders here. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was a hoot that the books came in and there are the boxes that the books came in that say do not open until midnight on such and such date and i think they did it one or two times on harry potter's birthday which was what july 29th or something like that yes i think that's right yeah your son must have been aging up with the books he was he was he was really close to harry potter's age you know they appeal to all ages they They really do do. it's just amazing the impact i think that that she had on so many people amazing to me how she created that whole world, you know, just sketched it out on really on a napkin and had that whole vision for the whole series, really, all at once. It's incredible to me. Yeah. And she was a single mom at the time. And think of all the responsibilities she she had weighing on her. Creative genius, for sure. You know, you were mentioning it earlier, Bob, how you started and where the technology department started in TCAPS. Kind of walk through your time at TCAPS and some of those moments where you're like, oh, I can't believe we're here looking back. Well, the first few years, I was all by myself. There was no department. I was just the administrative supervisor of technology. And then we had uh, George Bame and Stan Ronk as the instructional technology folks. And then a few years after that, we had superintendent at that point that put us all in the same room and uh, started our department up. And we grew to about seven people. I think we had a we had a number of different teachers that were in our department. And yeah, it just kind of put all of us that were in technology together. And then we had some budget times that were really tough in the early 90s. And we lost almost all of our employees. Uh, George kept doing his thing for the instructional piece. And I kept doing mine with the administrative piece. But then we moved out to... Um, 
the bus garage, I think, in the, like I say, I think it was around 93 or something like that. At that time, we had implemented a number of different systems that we had out there, and we started to get more and more computers, and there was the need at that time to give support. So we contracted out a lot of work that we did to a couple different companies here in town. And at that point, I think we just started to grow and grow just based on the need out there. Two people covering the entire district seems, you know, a lot of a lot has changed in our in our area in our TCAPs. One thing that has not changed is the geographic size of the yeah. district, and two people sure. covering all those schools is just an impossibility. And there would have been more schools then, right? True. At the peak, I think we had eighteen elementary schools. That was another bond that we worked on. We had Silver Lake when I first came on here, and uh, then we added the Blair and Westwoods, and uh, eventually Cortade, and then we also built East Middle School. It was a few years, I think 96 or something like that, 96, 97, before we got West Senior High. I got to tell you, that was just amazing watching our current Central High School house 27, 2800, I don't can't remember how many kids we had out there. We had trailers out there between the different buildings and all the things that we had to do. We had just a single high school, which had to be one of the biggest high schools in the uh, state of Michigan. To picture Central High School today with almost 3,000 kids out there, I just can't, I can't imagine it. And now we house around half that. That was a busy place. And uh, it was a welcome sight to be able to have West Senior High to open up and to, to come into existence. So that was really neat. I think one one thing that happened also at the same time is that we were able to bring some upgrades to West Middle School. And that was really cool because they had not been included in our first bond uh, when we built East Middle School. And we learned our lesson from that is that never, never forget the other schools that will still be running while you're building a new school. And, uh, and I think we saw that from that point forward. You know, then all of a sudden we started growing and growing until we again merged and at that point it was Bob Sturtz that was the instructional coordinator or supervisor and so Bob and I worked together out at the operations center for a number of different years and we really what was interesting I remember Bob saying one time oh we got to find some way to get a computer for every kid (laughs) I just chuckled at him I thought there's (laughs) no way in God's green earth that we're ever going to be able to afford that but um, one of the things that started in 2004 with Jim Pavelka and Paul Soma is they got together and figured out a way in which we could use our existing, what is it, Larry? Millage. Yeah, the millage rate, yeah. So we could use the uh, current millage rate and never raise it and be able to afford all these things. I could not believe it. But then all of a sudden, it started to come to pass. And that was life-changing for technology, for transportation, for building maintenance, keeping track of buildings, keeping the roof on. Of any points of pride, that just was life-changing, I think, to TCAPs. And I I think we owe a lot of uh, tributes to both Jim and Paul to be able to get that one going. And I think other schools in Michigan look to that and, and are amazed at some of the stuff that we do without without raising our millage for our kids. And then all of a sudden we started doing that and we had computers 
all over the place. I mean, we get we were able to come up to the point gradually to where we uh, were able to roll those out. At that point, Todd Nybar had came in, and uh, he took over our department and moved us into the one-to-one world. And that was a lot of work, and we had a lot of long discussions about that, of whether or not we'd be able to support that. That was not easy. And I think of anything that we did that would had to be one of the most difficult things is to overcome all of the obstacles. It's almost like, you know, uh, going to the moon. You know, when Kennedy said before the end of the decade, we're going to be on the moon. And I, <laughs> it was just like everybody's just shaking their head. What the heck is he talking about? And then uh, less than eight years later, they did it. And I, it felt like with our computer program, it was like, oh, we're going one-to-one. What? We can't do that. And then to solve that, we kept coming up with different ways and different methods in order to be able to provide that number of computers and provide support to not only our staff, but also, you know, 10,000 kids that we had out there. And that was just in grades six through 12. And then, of course, with the pandemic coming along, we expanded that into all the way down from kindergarten up to 12th grade. Of anything, it's nice to be able to provide that. Not that technology is the only thing about education. For sure, it's not. But it gives us another tool in the toolbox for kids to use. And I think without that, they'd have a harder time to survive in this world without the experiences that TCAPs have been able to provide them. Absolutely. I was just going to say, not only during the pandemic, that support extended out to to families and kids learning virtually. So supporting, you know, on-site and off-site, just in all different forms. And the department did a great job through all of that. That's been a challenge. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people went in to make that happen, you know, all the way from Evan at the top to every single person in our department was, took a part of that back with them to try to figure out how to do this and how to do that. And every day there was something new and all of this connections that we tried to do remotely because we couldn't do in-person stuff. So you had to relearn and rethink everything, everything. The job that you did for all these changes, um, and you've, you've seen a ton, is pretty amazing. I was always, I was always very, very impressed at your ability to marshal complex systems get them organized to keep all the ducks in a row. And those systems were constantly changing. Getting the machines to run is, as you said, there's a lot more supports in that where there isn't necessarily supports, especially in the places that we were going. Our district, I think, has been the front end of a lot of these um, advances in, in pushing forward in the one, one-to-one kind of world that we were in now, uh, getting a computer in every student's hands. To be able to do that logistically, I don't know. I, I don't know if we would have been able to do that without you being on top of it and making sure that everybody's kind of going in the right direction. So, your your skills and abilities to do that are, I guess, greatly, greatly appreciated. And sometimes maybe in in the the greater scheme of our district might maybe be missed a little bit because most credit I can give you is people don't notice it. Well, I think. And thank you for all that. But I would say that I'm just a small piece in this big picture because we've got a lot of awfully talented people in our department and a lot of people with vision and a lot of people that can anticipate what's going to happen before 
it happens. And I think that without those folks, we would have been a far behind. I, I just played a small oh, part. Oh, Jess, take the, take the compliment, Bob. <laughs> take the compliment. Goodness yeah, gracious. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I have to second Larry's, you know, not only the from the high-level systems implementation and the process, but I always feel like at the core of what you do is think about the people that are using the technology. And I feel like you always have in mind the students and the staff as users and people. And you, you've you always impressed me with the way you can connect with people. Like you're not just the cold-hearted tech person. I think you your heart is, is with the users first always. And I've always appreciated that and many others have as well. Well, <laughs> there were times when I was like the bad tech guy, like you know, Saturday Night Live's little skit where he says, move. It's <laughs> a few times. So people come up with different ideas and it's easier to say no and not have to support him than to explore how to do that. And I think the tricky part in our department is to make sure that we got our focus on the right thing. And and I think we do. I, I think we have to turn down some requests sometimes, but by and large, I think I rely a lot on the talented people that we're lucky to have to be able to make some of this stuff happen. Well, thank you for all your work throughout all of these years. It's amazing. An amazing legacy you're leaving, Bob. I think the next three, four years, three, four, five years are going to be just unbelievable. I think we're coming into a, a very nice place where technology is not the dominant thing, but the supportive thing that we have. And I think um, because of the talent we have here, I think that they can push it to the limit. I'll be interested. I'll be watching. Okay. <laughs> no, watch. Look at those mountain ranges more than spreadsheets. I will do that. Yes. Well, speaking of spreadsheets, I know that that's a favorite, or at least around the department, we all believe you to be a fan of spreadsheets. What do you like to do with spreadsheets the most? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. They're pretty versatile. What I use the most, of course, is summing up because we've we got to make sure we get the bottom line right. <laughs> um, and uh, there's times when I missed the whole column and screwed something up and it's like, oh, my God. So I, I got to make sure that I don't do something like that. I think the coolest thing is to be able to make it look up things immediately without um, much effort. And it doesn't look like much effort to the end user. I think that's kind of cool to where you can uh, do one thing and everything else in the spreadsheet changes. And it gives you a chance to uh, uh, do some prediction. And that's one thing that I think I do like to do is, is I like to try to figure out from a budget perspective how we're doing. Are we under budget? Are we over budget? Because the big thing is, is that a lot of, like I say, a lot of people in our department, Steffi, certainly you're one of them that is trying to figure out whether or not we got enough money for this, that, and the other thing. And this, that, and the other thing are really what makes us tick because we're trying to push the limit on what we can do. And what we try to do, I think, in this department is try to not let the dollar be the deciding factor. And yeah. if we can do something in order to be able to free those funds, I think that's that's what I'd like to do. So anyway... I guess the fun thing is, is to be able to, by just changing um, one figure, the whole spreadsheet can change and give you an idea, give you a chance to ask the question, what if? 
Oh, this has been a great chat, Bob. Well, thank you. It's been good for me, too. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, in closing, follow us on Twitter, at TCAPSLOOP. At Steffi Light. I'm guessing Bob's not on Twitter. Bob's on spreadsheets. <laughs> All right, subscribe to the podcast on Pompey Nights and Stitcher. Tune in down past the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your, your candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. And thank you, Bob. Yeah, they don't have very good reception out there. <laughs> well, it's, it's similar to what we have right now. What else is different? <laughs>